This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today I am so, so stoked to welcome Fiona Vroom to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Yes, Vroom is Fiona's real last name. This was the first question I asked her years ago, and she told me that it comes up a lot for her. Mostly because, one, Vroom is so fun to say that it's hard to believe that it's actually real, and two, she is the living embodiment of Vroom, a dynamic, versatile actress who is always on the go. I'm not sure where to start with Fiona Vroom because there are a lot of potential starting points. We could start with her eclectic filmography, which includes Hell on Wheels, Tim Burton's Big Eyes, the 1950s housewife she played with superpowers on the way ahead of its time web series The True Heroines, which she also produced. Kindergarten Cop 2, Supernatural, Bates Motel, as eternally youthful sitcom star Barbara Beaumont in a cult favorite episode of The X-Files, and as schoolteacher Miss Gillies on TNT's post-apocalyptic series Snowpiercer. Then there's the Star Trek of it all. Fiona portrayed the green-skinned Orion slave girl in the Lolani episode of the fan-financed Star Trek Continues web series. Lou Frigno of the Incredible Hulk fame played a nefarious slave trader in that same episode. And then she played an Orion again, but this time in 2016's Star Trek Beyond. That's a lot of Star Trek. And a lot of Orion-ness, for that matter. For someone who didn't grow up a fan of the show... Unlike myself, who is literally sitting next to a shelf of Star Trek collectibles as we speak. But it seems poetic when you consider that Fiona did grow up idolizing Lucille Ball. And Trekkies know that Lucille Ball's production company, Desi Lu, greenlit the original Star Trek television series. Then there's the fact that Fiona grew up on a boat, was the daughter of hippies, and sung and danced her heart out on cruise ships, and the fact that Fiona has expanded into producing her own content, and the fact that Fiona is equally adept at drama and genre and rom-coms, there are so many starting points. Like, that's just, that's too many starting points. And because I can't just choose one, we're just going to get started and get to know this dynamic, versatile actress who is the living embodiment of her last name. Fiona Vroom. Vroom goes the dynamite. (laughs) Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for that. Very, very warm welcome. Thank you. Well, I did have... I struggled. I struggled over that one because I did not know where to start. 
So I just, I, I, so I'm like, I'm just going to include all the starting points. And I'm going to ask you, Fiona Vroom, I'm probably going to say your last name a lot. <laughs> Where do you think your story starts? Gosh, that is, it's really fun to think about where it all started because we're so often focused on where is everything going? What's mm. next? How am I going to get to Hollywood? What role am I booking next? So thank you for asking me where it all started. And I think for me, it started on the stage. Mm. I studied ballet for 20 years and the moment I first stepped on stage and had the lights blind me and um, t embodied the story uh, through dance, that's when I was, I was hooked to storytelling. How old were you? Five. You were five, and, and what was the role? Um, well, I started in Highland dancing, which is Scottish dancing, mm -hmm. um, in kilts, and uh, so did my sisters, and we were, you know, three little redheads dancing up on, on stage to the bagpipes, very traditional Scottish style. Um, and then I transitioned into ballet. My sisters continued on with Highland dancing, and I went to ballet. And I remember being in the, in the chorus to Swan Lake, mm. and the music and the movement that so many ballerinas did previously because they're all choreographed dances that you learn. It's like, it's like learning a piece of music. You learn the dance. Yeah. Um, it, it always moved me. I was always moved by ballet. I still am. So for me, it started on stage telling stories through dance. Yeah. And then I remember when I was 13 years old and uh, I was singing along to Whitney Houston in the car. Oh. I know. Like we're, we're kind of like this, the same kind of cohort. Whitney Houston, back in the day. Come on, legendary. You know, legendary. And like it was like, you can't even be like, oh, that was her one song. Because oh, no. it wasn't always, I will always love you. She has like. Oh, a body of work. Hit. Okay, so, so what were the songs? 13 years old, what are you singing in the car? I want to dance with somebody. I want to dance with somebody. Yes! <laughs> and I was like, Mom, I sound just like Whitney Houston. And she was like, okay, girl, tone it down. <laughs> but I truly believed I had something. Yeah. And so I wanted to learn more about singing. And um, so my mom enrolled me into classical singing, and I started with all the classics, so Italian arias and uh, soprano. Yes. Did you have that yellow book? I did. You had the I yellow did. book. What is the 24 Italian arias? arias. Yeah. yeah. And I loved it, and it taught me a lot. So um, similar like with the ballet and then with, you know, the arias and probably, I'm guessing, uh, English concert songs and German leader and all that kind of stuff, you learn a good foundation, right? Like you're getting the good. It might not be what you always want to be singing forever. It you know. certainly wasn't yeah. Whitney Houston. <laughs> it's not. Katomia Ben is not. <laughs> is not Whitney Houston. <laughs> I, I was a voice major for many years. Really? So that was, yes. So I, I've spent that. You said you said Italian and I'm like, oh yeah, the yellow book. The yellow book. The yellow book. Oh my God, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. okay. But, it, but it, it teaches you how to breathe and it teaches you how to feel and it teaches you how to think about what you're saying and how your mouth goes and yeah. you how know to cr how to create the vowels yeah. how to support it I learned a lot and and it teaches you how to practice and it learn you learn the the foundations of of hard work and and where it can go and then I fell in love with musical theater so I was done with classical and I was like I want to sing 
musical theater. I used to come home from school at lunch because I was not a popular kid and friends were difficult. So I'd come home for lunch and I would watch Turner Classic Musicals with my mom. Aww. I know. <laughs> poor little Fiona. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, yeah, poor little Fiona. I mean, you were just, you were ahead of your time, okay? You just, I mean, part of it is to... You have to find your people. And, you know, you, we send kids to elementary school, you know, and be like, like, and, and we, we, like, I do this with my daughter. I'm like, I expect you to be like, to kind, you know, to be kind to everybody and to not take any shit and whatever. Yeah. But I'm not expecting you to be friends with everybody because that's not how the world works. You don't like go into a building of people who kind of live in your neighborhood, which is how a school is, and be like, and, and expect that they're all going to be your friends, right? It's, that's not how the, wor- the world works, you know? I'm and glad so, that you teach your daughter So that. it's through things like, you know, musical theater, you know, or, um, I, I mean, it's a lot like arts and sports and just like what, like extracurricular, that's where you find your people. Yeah, what you're drawn you know. to. Yeah. So, you know, elementary school, they didn't really have that. So yeah. I, I used to come home <laughs> at lunch and sit with my your mom. Your mom was your people. She was, and she still yeah. is. She still is. So um, watching the old classic musicals, I always wanted to be in them, but I wanted to be like, I wanted to be the showgirl that the actress was being, you know? Like I mm. wanted to be part of the stage or part of the, the dancing. I wanted to be um, Ginger and Fred Astaire. Like I wanted to dance and sing and, and do that. Yeah. And literally since I was five years old, that's what I've been working towards. Yeah. I mean, I'm very lucky that I knew in my heart and my soul and in my entire being that that's what I wanted to do from a very young age and yeah. always strived towards it. It's also kind of a curse because I'm like, oh, mm. I only focused on this. That's so interesting that you frame it that way. Because I can totally see how it could feel like a curse, you it's, know. But the like that 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 um, abiding need, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. you have to that you are chasing something. I mean, we we had Eklund in here, Michael Eklund in here, you know, uh, in our first season, and he talked about chasing magic, and that his whole career is about chasing these magical moments and magical feelings, I love that. you know. And I love that, but like the I could also see how like. If you're chasing that and then you're not getting that, then then you're not being fulfilled in those in those kind sometimes, of moments as well. Yeah, sometimes it's a curse. It really is a blessing and it's a curse. And sometimes I compare this this relationship that I have with our industry. Um, it can be a little bit abusive. It can. It, I'm whispering. Come a bit closer to the go. mic. I'm like, Thank come you. closer. I'm Thank like, you. everybody's gonna hear that. <laughs> sometimes um, it's it's a blessing and a curse. This industry and and sometimes I compare it to. Um, an abusive relationship because you take a lot of abuse it can get you down and when it's good it's really good yeah so you just but when it's bad it's awful and I tell um, actors that I'm coaching now because I just started coaching actors out of my studio the funky basement I was going to ask you about the funky basement because I'm really loving it it really lives up to its name (laughs) from what I can tell on Instagram very funky I mean you've had Fiona Forbes another Fiona yeah, Another iconic Fiona in there. She's come in a couple she's times. She's using the taped. funky basement. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so you're coaching through the through the funky basement. And I, I just tell the young actors that are starting out that I'm like, if you do not, if you do not love, love, and have a strong passion, need, desire, calling for this work, yeah. it's going to be really hard mm. because it beats you up sometimes. Yeah. So if you don't love it, you know, get out now. <laughs> yeah. Save yourself. <laughs> I'm too far in. I'm way too far in. Yeah, <laughs> you're very, you're very invested. Um, I, I do. Before we move on to talking about more of your relationship uh, with the industry and also the roles, because you know, I mean, we're sitting here. There's like Star Trek stuff. There's X Files stuff. I do want to talk about the genre stuff for sure. Um, I want to spend a little bit more time on the boat, you know, uh, because there is something so cinematic when I. Think about your. I sit around and I think about your childhood. No, I don't. But, I, <laughs> but like, but the way that you described it. I mean, I think I spoke to you five years ago, and so a lot of the stuff that you told me about your childhood uh, re- has really stuck with me. And thinking about growing up on a boat with these like hippie, supportive parents, and and you know this very tight knit, you know this group, you know with you and your sisters, um, brings back to that time on the boat. And like, how do you think your childhood? on the boat informs the work that you do today? I love this question. Being on the boat as a kid with my family was close. Mm. I would I would call it, we were... Um, like literally, proximity-wise? Literally, <laughs> proximity-wise. We, we spent a lot of time on the boat that my father built. It was a 41-foot uh, Fraser, which is a Canadian style of boat. He built the boat? Oh yeah, he built it. And um, every summer was spent on the boat with my family. And it, it got harder and harder as he got older because, you know, my my friends were, were camping and, and around a lot of kids and, you know, out uh, fishing in the and playing in the forest and we were on the boat, isolated as a family, yeah. exploring the Gulf Islands, which now I'm like looking back, what a what a privilege that is. Yeah. How lucky I was to have that experience. The Gulf Islands are so beautiful. Um, I think how it has informed my work is I always had to use my imagination. Mm. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Always using my imagination. My mother is a singer and she would always have her guitar and she would always be playing music. Oh, they were for real hippies. Oh, for they real. built boats and played <laughs> guitars. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I loved the music. I loved playing music with her and singing with her. Um, and, you know, with my sisters, we were always making up stories. Or we were listening to music and having dance competitions on the boat. We were, if when we were under sail and the boat is heeled over and, and you've got the water coming in the window from the other side and there's wind blowing and you're holding on for dear life, sometimes we would get adventurous and we would slide down on our pillows and act like it was a slide. Or, Cinematic, like, I'm telling we you. We were always making, <laughs> making ourselves, um, creating fun for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. We had we were limited to what we had on the boat. Yeah, it was always fun though singing songs. I remember my favorite song that I used to drive my sisters crazy with was Buccaneer Bay, yay yay, Buccaneer Bay, yay yay. And it was every time we were going to Buccaneer Bay, which is on Theatus Island, which is um just off the Sunshine Coast. It's a beautiful island, boat access only, but you can you can take a a barge there. Actually, I think from Seashell you can get there. 
beautiful island, and it was one of our favorite places because it has like white sandy beaches. So we would just spend hours there and and swim. And so I always got so excited when we we're on our way to Buccaneer Bay, <laughs> and I would drive my sisters crazy. I think I there's was, our our earworm for today. Buccaneer, Buccaneer Bay, yay, 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 yay. I was the comedic relief of the family for sure. It was like my job to lift everyone's spirits, make make everyone happy. Same with my dad. My dad is such a happy-go-lucky guy, and, yeah. and he's a, a very, very adventurous. He has sailed across every ocean, I think. Really? I, he hasn't done the Atlantic crossing, but he, he's grown up on boats and been on boats, and you know, he's just got he's got adventures as far as the eye can see. So yeah, I admire him a lot. Now, one thing we haven't mentioned. Uh, although you did mention your mother being a singer, but is the fact that if you go back a few generations uh, into the history of the rooms, you you have some performers there in your background. Yeah. So you have, if I remember, your great grandmother uh, on my mom's side. On your mom's side, so it wasn't the room side. Yes, your great grandmother was an opera singer, yeah. and your great great grandfather painted the Orpheum. Yes, the ceiling. The, the, the ceiling, Orpheum. the details at the Orpheum. You know, so, I mean, I guess, like, a lot, lot of us have grown up with, like, you know, the, in, in suburbia, and, like, maybe our parents aren't captains and go, and taking us on adventures and through storms and, and that, you know, and and it's not conceivable to a lot of parents, you know, that, like, my child is going to go into the arts. But you had, it seems like you had supportive parents and then you had you know in your dna in your background in your blood memory you know you're you're kind of like ancestors cool? circling around the the theater you know so cool? yeah. did you like when you were conceiving of what your future was did you ever consider anything else or was it always going to be performing it was always going to be performing yeah that's rad i was literally uh, hanging out with some girlfriends yesterday. We had a day off and went to the beach, and I asked my girlfriends, who are also in the industry, my friend Megan is a writer, she's my partner actually, and we're currently creating a feature film together. Oh, wow. About sisters and mothers and um, oh, that wow. relationship. Um, and I asked her, I said, if you didn't do this, what would you do? And not, we, could, we just couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. Like, like I said, it's been a calling for me since a very young age yeah. um, that this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm very lucky. I'm very privileged to do that, and I did have support from my family. Yeah. I had support from my parents. Like I was able to go to the Canadian College of Performing Arts, and they were able to pay for that for me. I mean, that is huge, huge yeah. privilege. And, um, and a show of belief and support as yeah. well, right? I mean... I'm sure my parents would have loved me to to get a degree and and had had a more a safer more a, a safer job or you know something that's a little more consistent yeah just because uh, they worry but I've proved that like I I can make money in this job I can make money in this career and that I'm well respected and I'm I think I'm doing good work I uh, yeah, you're doing good work. Yeah, somebody watches a lot of your work, you're doing a lot Thanks. of good work. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the work, capital T, capital W, <laughs> because that's what we love to talk about here on the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I mean, I have roles that I want to talk about, but I want to hear from you what have been some of the 
some of the roles that have like altered your DNA, you know, so some of the roles that, that have changed your life, you know, and what made these roles so memorable, so challenging, so special. Oh my gosh. Um, there's so many. My role uh, as Miss Gillies in Snowpiercer right now playing the school teacher during the pandemic gave me a whole other it, it gave it a whole other meaning with the front workers, you know, the teachers. Teachers really changed perspective for me because um, they were still working and they couldn't stop working, hmm. you know? And so I, I, I have so much respect for that. My role as Barbara Beaumont on the in the X Files. I love this role. Was so special to me. You know, I would it's so I, in, special in doing like doing a bit of research today, and like you know, I was like, oh, I want to see like because I, I remember you sharing photos at the time. I remember watching the episodes. Like you looked amazing. I'm like, I just want to see the photos again. And then like I just I ended up on this like rabbit tail down Reddit. Like all these people, there's so many people who wanted more Barbara, and they're like, really? we would love for like a Barbara Bo. Like for for Fox to make a bunch of Barbara Beaumont, you know, a- extra episodes starring Fiona Vroom. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then we can send that to yeah. Fox immediately. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about that role, though, is that it's it's a little bit it's it's kind of meta, I guess, for an actress to play an actress and then to be leaning into these seams. Because the thing with Barbara is that she's like 80, but she looks 30. And it's because she's very committed to staying young, forever young. And I don't want to give too many spoilers. But, you know, tell me about like some of the things that were going through your mind as you are are preparing to perform in that. Because that must have like hit some, especially being a woman oh, yeah. in the industry. Uh-huh. You know, what, what what kind of notes did that hit for you? Well, I mean, I look at my face care regime, and it's serums and oils and creams, and I'm eating the supplements. I'm working out, you know. You got your collagen. You take your collagen. I'm taking my collagen. I'm wearing my sun hats, my sunscreen. You know, it's we do a lot, and it's ingrained in us. Yeah, that we have to. It's the war on aging and fighting aging, and it's like, hello, aging is just aging. Hello, aging. (laughs) It's happening, and it's okay. Yeah, but wasn't okay for Barbara. It wasn't okay for Barbara, and it's not okay for. It doesn't. Women in our industry are not meant for it to feel okay. And we can understand that. So that's where I took um, stage one, step one for Barbara. That's where I started. Yeah, we've all felt the pressure of aging and how to do it gracefully and how it can drive us crazy. And Barbara was just like an amplified version of that. Uh, She couldn't handle looking in the mirror and seeing a new wrinkle. She couldn't handle it. But the the way I got this role is actually a very interesting story. So I don't know if you knew this, but I was Gillian Anderson's stand-in in one of the films that shot here in 2008. Shut the front door. That's my X-Files key. I didn't know that. That was my first How did that job. not come up before? I guess the first time we met, we talked about boats. A lot of boats, <laughs> boats, boats. And we talked about Star Trek. We didn't talk about X-Files, which is totally the reason I moved out here. Sorry, Paul, I know you thought it was for you, but really it was because the X-Files filmed out here. Whoa! So I was her stand-in and uh, created a relationship with Chris Carter. Were you a fa- Okay, this is the thing about you, Fiona, because you ended up doing Star Trek, not being a fan, not really understanding it. Were you a fan of the X-Files beforehand? It's okay if you're not. I'm just trying to understand you. <laughs> 
<laughs> the X-Files scared me. Like, I am a person who likes watching musicals mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. rom-coms. That's my jam. Yeah. So the X-Files, great show. I mean, amazing. I think it put Vancouver's industry on the block. Like, oh, I think it yeah. put it here, you know? Like, it was the Beachcombers and it was X-Files. And yeah. you're like, those were the big shows here. It, the show was amazingly well done. But it scared me. So I had a hard time watching it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I guess, I mean, I do understand that. But you find yourself, I mean, so, okay, because also, I don't think we were very clear about Snowpiercer. That's a, sh- that's a show, like, yes, you're, you're a teach- teacher and you're kind and you keep things going. You're on a, you're in a post-apocalyptic world, frozen world on a train that's the end of civilization. That's scary. You know? That's scary as shit. <laughs> You know, and then and then the X Files, and you're the stand-in in a movie. So I was her stand-in. Wow! And I learned that was my first job. I think it was 2008. What? And I met Chris Carter and um, was part of the crew, and we worked for three months filming oh, that movie. Oh, tell me that. So it's like you went to X Files University, it's right? Like, like it's it was an education that yeah. you couldn't even tell me for. what you learned. I learned so much. I learned how you learned uh, that you're scared set. of aliens. Exactly. <laughs> I am very scared of aliens. I learned that you can't. Um, I learned how a film set works. Yeah. So from the from the top to the bottom, bottom to the top, how every piece is connected, and how much of a collaboration it is, and how important everyone on a film set is. Yeah. Head of departments, everything, every piece, every person has a place and has a really important job, mm. and it can't just be done like with one director, one producer. It is a big collaboration. It's a it's a big cake that's being built. As somebody who watched Turner Classic Musicals, I mean, that's very much the uh, the Mickey Riddle, let's put on a show! Let's put on (laughs) a show! Yeah, and and everybody's involved, and and everybody puts on a show. I mean, that's what what filmmaking is. It's not a solitary pursuit. So to start off in the crew, um, and really respect all those positions from PAs to craft services to gaffers, lighting, Every everyone, I got to know everyone's job, and because I was so interested, I was such a nerd. I would talk to everyone about their job. Yeah. What do you do? What's important today? What's important for you? What do you need? And I was, I, I became really a set mama. Like mm. even to this day, when I produce, like I, it's always about supporting your team. It's always about supporting your heads of department. And what do they need? What can I get for you? What can I do to make your job easier? Mm. And as an actor, I think that has trickled down in in my heart and soul too. What? How can I make my job flawless easy so the director doesn't have to worry about it so the producer doesn't have to worry about it I show up prepared on set ready to work I'm not late yeah I don't give them anything to worry about because there's so many other pieces to the puzzle to worry about yeah so 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 you so you did that you did the film and then because we're talking about Barbara as well right so then 10 years later I get an audition for season 11. Chris Carter has specifically requested me for this role. Hmm. And I remember I was at my sister's baby shower. It was a Sunday night and my agent calls me and goes, I need you to put this on tape right now. And I was like, I'm at a, I'm at a family event, I can't. And he was like, you need to put this on tape right now. They want it tomorrow to go to network. I look at the email and it's, oh, it's a uh, X-Files. Oh, it's a uh, guest star oh this is my role 
Yeah, you want it. And I we didn't really emphasize this enough, though I did mention it in the intro, but you know, I know that another big inspiration inspiration for you. I was going to trip over that word. Inspiration. Inspiration was Lucille Ball, right? You know, who is a, you know, um, I mean, one of the mothers of the sitcom, right? You know, who would have been kind of a contemporary of Barbara, maybe a little bit, uh, she would have been a bit earlier, but like that's, you know, that kind of the early television world, right, is the same kind of world that, that Barbara inhabited. Lucille Ball is my absolute idol because she was such a um, trend setter. She was such a supporter of the industry and and women. Star Trek. I'm sorry, but and for Star me, Trek. it's Star Trek. Yeah, she yeah. greenlit it. Yeah, she yeah. did it. She did. Desi Lou. Their studio, like they did such incredible things with their studio. They created the sitcom. Yeah, and it was actually Desi. He was like he because he was so used to performing live in his band, and and the, and Lucy was doing movies with Warner Brothers. I think she was signed with Warner Brothers. Oh, at and the she's time. a she's a bombshell too. If you see her show show she up in all those modeling, yeah, <laughs> like she's so. I mean, I know we think of like, oh, silly Lucy, no. you know, but then you see her like she'll pop up in these movies, and you're like, damn. I actually reread her biography during the the first months of the pandemic. Of course you did. Um, and you know, so they always wanted to work together. So Lucy was doing movies, Desi was doing his live shows, and the sitcom was their way of creating a show together. And they finally um, convinced huh. a studio to let it happen. And and the 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 three cameras set up, and the studio audience had never been done before. But it was the only way that they could see their type of show working because they wanted to combine Lucy's talents of screen acting and Desi's of live performing. Oh, I, I know, love right? that! They, I love that it was like a relationship device too. It's like we need to figure out a way that we can just like work together, and um, and both do what we want to do, and like just like be together. And we're gonna have to create an entirely new genre. Genre, and like and like and they wait, did. And they did, and they did. Sorry, I keep moving on from Barbara, but it's all connected with you. It's like it's like but like trying to put together the. There's just it's like you 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 put together the picture and then you lean in and then you see all the details, right? Like it's so yeah. exciting. So I'm sorry, Barbara. I want so, to talk about Barbara. Yeah. So I put the audition on tape. I got the call the next day um, that I booked the part, and and then and then it happened, and it was wonderful and magical and a lot of hard work, a lot of work. I had to sing in that, and that was uh, new singing on screen because they put a little earpiece in your ear and, that has the accompaniment, so you can hear it, but no one else on set can hear it. So you're singing a cappella to you. It's like a full concert going on. Um, that was that was nerve wracking. I was like, oh god, I hope this is gonna come across okay, and it, I think it did. I mean, for Barbara, what they wanted, it was perfect. So. Yeah. Um... Belief in the paranormal? Par I, did I say paranormal? Paranormal. Paranormal. So where do you stand on the paranormal? I think I have to believe in it. Yeah. I think, I mean, if humans are the only thing that exists in the universe, the universe being so grand, I think there's definitely aliens walking among us. Yeah. Maybe, be. <laughs> maybe they have red hair. <laughs> no, but like, but even you know something like the 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 situation where Barbara places herself. If you had that option, you know, to be eighty years old but look like you're thirty, would you want that? 
good question. Listen, I try to have one, maybe two, <laughs> you know. I always um, want to be the woman who ages gracefully. That doesn't mean I don't like the help of what we have available to us nowadays. Yeah. But it's a slippery slope. Mm. Um, and I do want to represent women as strong, powerful, smart, equal people in this world. Like, I want us to be equal. So, I don't know if I want to look 30 forever. Yeah. I'm excited about the grays coming in. I'm excited about the crow's feet around my eyes. I, I think it's okay, and I think... It shows your life get better. On, your, on your face, too, yeah, and I your Yeah, I think I just get better with age. I'm, I'm wiser. I'm a little more plump. I think it's all good. Rubenesque okay. is, uh, yeah, like is the term that I like that's to That's sexy. Yeah. I mean, that look at sexy. Marilyn Monroe. Come on. Yeah. Bombshell. Goddess. So I don't know if I want to look 30 forever. I, I hope to I hope to age gracefully. I mean, I love my wine. I love eating. And, and I, I love enjoying life. And I don't think worrying about how we look and spending all that time there, it, it's a waste of energy. I think we can spend our energy better elsewhere. One of my first experiences with your work was the True Heroines uh, web series, which was so ahead of its time for so many reasons. What One of the things that I love about it, though, is that you do, you take these um, very feminist, you know, progressive concepts uh, about what women can do and the power that women have. Um, and you place that in... 1950s housewives who have superpowers you know and which was and and it's funny and it there's there's dancing and there's you know you're joined by some incredible incredible talent you know I'm just like oh gosh off the top of my head you know you I mean you had Ali Liebert you know and then there were your compatriots in that as well right you had you know Giovanna Giovanna and Paula Girardi and Joel Sturrock and we had Gina Shirelli and Zach Santiago and Peter Benson yeah yeah, all the all the usual suspects, um, but I can imagine, you know, being so ahead of your time, you know, and then not being able to find really a home for it, you know, like what what did you learn from that experience? And man, if and I could go back, if you could go back, so what would you do differently? Like, did you did it really burn you or discourage you from creating? content again or because I mean you have you you are I mean producing I mean me you know me madre my mother that's like a been very successful you know on the on the film festival circuit and you know but I've just like there's a part of me that's like what stories are we not getting because people were might have been burnt you know by that situation it's true um that that story and that show I still hold so dear to my heart and it's because I always plan and I always aim to lift up women. Mm. A lot of my work is about women's issues, how to support women, and and how to how to make us stronger and more community based. I guess a sense of togetherness. Yeah. Um, the true heroines. I'm so proud of. But it was ahead of its time. It was a web series we created in 2010, and it was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. No, 
um, yeah, Canadian Screen Award. It was nominated for Canadian Screen Award in 2014. And we had such large dreams and hopes for it. Yeah. Um, it, it was a very cool concept, I think. It's so cool and so super. well executed as yeah, well. Because there are a lot of cool concepts you're like, I can't wait to watch. And then you're like, oh, that makes me feel awkward that it's not as good. That's not so good. <laughs> but like, it was so, like, I still rave about it. I'm like, you you want to see like what some of my favorite examples of web series? Like, The True Heroines is always Thank in the so list. Much. Uh, Nick and Michelle, our director and producer team, were recently just in town. Um, Nick was on an episode. Nicholas Carella. Yeah, Nicholas Carella. Michelle Willette. That's right. <laughs> and I had them over for dinner twice to, to my house. Lucky you. I know, and it was awesome to see them and catch up. And it was like no time had passed. Yeah. It was, it was so nice. But yeah, like, uh, I, do, I do often think about that show. Even my partner. I met my partner at the Canadian Screen Awards. His show was also nominated. Mm. And he's always like, you should you should take that show and do a season two. And I'm like, I don't know if it can happen. But I, I, I still just have the fondest memories. And I learned so much. Okay, so what were some of the lessons then? Well, be a team player. Mm-hmm. I was very bossy. <laughs> I was very bossy back then. <laughs> be, be a better team player, Fiona. Um, and just about production, I think it's that coming back to the whole thing about every every role is really important. I don't know. I learned a lot during that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And maybe you don't know all the lessons yet. Maybe they have yet to reveal themselves. They're still yet. Me, Giovanna and I are actually collaborating on a new project. Yay! Yeah. So it's been a while. And we reconnected through this pandemic, um, through isolation. And she found uh, a piece of literature one morning at 3 o'clock in the morning while she was having a total crisis um, called The Yellow Wallpaper. And it's uh, a piece of literature that was published in 1882. Oh. By... Um, a woman, and it's, it, oh, what's her name? Gil, Gilman, Gilman's, I've lost her name right now. It's called The Yellow Wallpaper, and it's about a woman who was suffering from depression, and her husband locked her in a room for ah. four months. Because that's how they dealt with That's with, how they dealt with depression. With depression, especially in women. Yeah. She, so, she's lucky she's locked in a room. She wasn't lucky. But often women got sent to, you know, institutions. Yeah. Exactly. So this piece of literature that um, the New England Journal published in 1882 was considered one of the first feminist pieces of writing and it's her journal entries from the time that she was spent in her room locked up and so Giovanna and I are creating a short film based on this piece of literature I'm so excited you will come back and you will talk all about it yes okay I want to so this is my plan for the rest of the episode. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Star Trek. Um, I have some question about roles, and then we're going to play some favorite things. Okay. You ready? Sounds great. Wait, no, you're not ready for favorite things. Not yet. Um, I do want to talk about the Star Trek of it all, um, because, well, welcome to my collection of Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, Deep Space Nine and some Voyager action figures that are right there on the shelf. Um, what were some insights that you gained into Star Trek, both like the the properties themselves as well as the fandom? Oh my gosh! By working on these, not one but two fan favorite fan favorite. I can't pronounce pronunciate <laughs> anything today. That's not even a word. I can't say anything today. Okay, fan favorite projects. 
Okay, well, first of all, the Star Trek fans are the best. Thank you. They are the most loyal. Yeah, yeah. They are the best. And uh, still to this day, I get fan mail, fan requests for my work on Lolani, which was the Star Trek Continues project. And the really cool thing about that show is that the fans funded it, the fans built it, and ev- everyone that was part of the production just donated their time. Can I just for the interject? Fans. When I say, if I say like a fan project, you might be, oh yeah, that sounds cool. I can't, I can't like understate, overstate. I can't say enough how high quality this project oh, yeah. was, and the kind of like support that they got from. People who were like directly connected to the original series, including the son of James Doohan. <laughs> Chris Doohan was like involved. I believe he played Scotty. If he did. I'm, if I'm, uh, yeah, he played Scotty. And also a previous guest, uh, Rekha Sharma, uh, also appeared uh, in an episode of Star Trek Continue. So this this series, it, it was. If you watch it, it's it's shot. As if, like, with the same kind of sensibilities as the original series. It is continuing the original, you know, five-year mission. And it is, it's got the same camera work, the same music, the same look. It's dope. It's I so mean, fucking And good. I'm a huge fan of, yeah. of, of the vintage, you know, the 60s and that. So Yeah, it's to, 60s futurism, yeah, especially. Yeah, step is, into that. It yeah. was really cool. The set was amazing. I mean, it was, and it was all volunteers. It was all volunteers that, blows that, my built, mind. that built it. Yeah. So it, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, totally different than Star Trek Beyond, which bit. was a $200 million <laughs> movie. And I think we spent 21 days working on a five-second scene, you know? Like, it was incredible. Yeah. I remember... Not volunteers. Not, not volunteers building not. that one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being in the makeup trailer with Idris Elba. He was getting his prosthetics put on, and they were doing like a hair test for me or something. And uh, I was painted green, and Idris comes over, and I say, hello, sir, gorgeous man, hello. (laughs) Why are they putting prosthetics on you when you look like that? That's a shame. (laughs) And he says to me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he says, well, someone's been eating their spinach. Idris Elba does bad dad jokes. Yes, oh. it was awesome. <laughs> that somehow makes him hotter. <laughs> wow. I was and like, yes, Idris, <laughs> I've been eating my spinach. <laughs> I want that to be all that you say about Star Trek. Like, let's just let's just leave that and then go. Okay, so what is a Fiona Vroom role? Oh, I think I am. Destined to play a Disney villain. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm scared all of a sudden when you're looking at me. The piercing eyes for the COVID safe plexiglass. Terrifying. I mean, yes. I en- enchanted, you know, Amy Adams, Susan it, Sarandon. Do I know? Excuse me. Hello? That musical number Dream when she's roll. singing and then all the all the, the rats and, and cockroaches of New York come in there. So I think I'm more the Susan Sarandon. Like th- those yeah. are goals. I want to play. I want to play villains. I want to mm. play the mean lady that um, that uh, you, you're afraid of. 
So that's one goal. I feel um, very unsettled, actually, <laughs> by the way that you said that. I'm no, because you're you're destined. You're very good. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. So I love playing villains. I love uh, going evil and, and, and going there. Yeah. But I also love playing. Being a mom, yeah. I just got a puppy, so I'm a new, I'm a new doggy parent. Yeah. Wait, wait. Sorry. Before we continue talking about roles, we need to talk about about puppy. So puppy's name is puppy's name is Miss Pepper Higgins. Yes, it is. Hi, Miss Pepper Higgins. And she is. Wait. So cute. You could have brought her today. We're we're a dog's friendly office. Oh, I would have brought her. She's so good. She's five months old and she's 40 pounds. She's a baby. She's a 40-pound baby. She's going to be cute. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of dog? She's a German Shepherd. Her, her, Her dad was German Shepherd and her mom was Golden Retriever Miramar. Oh, the best. I love big dogs. She's gentle. She's a lot so of work. Smart. So, so smart. So smart. And I have totally fallen in love. I, I, I love you, Miss Pepper Higgins, and I haven't even met you yet. My life has changed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Drastically. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an adjustment, but I love it. <laughs> so I'm a new parent. Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> I have a family now. I have a family now. I know. Like when my when my man comes home from work, Pepper just like runs up to the gate with her tail wagging, and she's like, "My man is home. My man is home." She's got a martini for him, and she's got her pearls <laughs> on. Yes, I teach very well. tr- the true heroines. Yeah, don't we? Everything ties all together. Aww. Yeah. So yeah, you play you play moms. You yeah, like I playing love, moms? I yeah. love to play mom. Like I I had a great role on. Um, Are you afraid of the dark? Oh. Uh, couple years ago last year two years ago 2018 I think it came out and I got to play the really upbeat annoying mom and I just love I love that you know I grew up watching those shows family ties you know it's always about the the family dynamics I just love that family ties was great too and it kind of harkens back to your origin story because those were hippie parents right like um like you had like one of the parents who worked for the public broadcaster and i forget what the other parent did i think it was some kind of teaching or something and um but then like they had you know the son who was a super republican guy like you know it was like who was not at all not at all alex p keaton was not like his hippie parents right yeah (laughs) <laughs> Maybe yeah. he carried around a picture of like I think it was Reagan or Nixon oh or something. God. Yeah. Taboo. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. But see, so have the hippie parents with the kid that is not at all like so how funny. they are. Um, so, is there a type of role that you won't do, or that you won't do anymore, that you might have done earlier in your career? I don't think so. I. You're like, bring it on. I'm like, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, if someone wants me to play a role and they think I'm right for the role, yeah, that's an honor. And no matter what the role is, if it's a serial killer, if it's a, a ditzy cheerleader, you find the heart of that character. If it's a ditzy cheerleading serial killer. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Th- you don't judge that person. Yeah. You find yourself in that space. You find out what makes them tick. That's our job. Yeah. And now your job is to play Favorite Things. Awesome. Yeah. So Favorite Things is, um, I mean, it's not really a game. It's, I ask you questions. I ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing, and then you tell me what the thing is. The key is to not think that much about it 
answer from your gut. Like, don't like, now don't do what Tom O'Pennicott did and was just said the first word that came to his mind. I'm like, what's your favorite cartoon character? And he was like, Tom. He's like, wait, which one's the mouse? I don't know. I'm like, wait, you have to be something that you care about, right? Okay, okay. Okay. I'll see, I'll see. You'll see, okay. Okay. Oh, and I use a different voice when I do it to you. Awesome. Favorite midnight snack? Cheerios. I love that you're matching the voice. Cheerios, like Honey Nut? Oh, oh, regular Cheerios. I like putting yogurt on it. And I like putting any kind of fruit, like berries, raspberries. I love Cheerios. It's my midnight snack. Cheerios on top of yogurt? Yeah. Or underneath yogurt? Just a spoonful of yogurt on top. Huh. Like makes it all nice and creamy. Oh, Cheerios. Cheerios for the win. Wow. Cheerio! <laughs> or all che- Okay, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Favorite screen partner? I know it's a mean one. It's a mean one, right? Screen partner? Like favorite co-star? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Who have you liked to play with on screen? Wow. Um. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. Oh. Oh, come on. That's a good one. We fully improvised yeah. our scene, and she did not hold back. Yeah. And I I think I kept up. I was yeah. like, okay, um, your fingers are in my mouth now. <laughs> uh, Pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. Obviously. But yeah, she was like on fire, improvising, and that was really fun. And it's exciting to know that the, the A-listers also want to play. Yeah. You know, given the chance, like, to do improv and stuff, like, they want to... She tested yeah. me out. I mean, she, like, tested the waters, looked me in the eye, and, and then she was like, I'm going off book. And I was like, yeah. I'm with you, honey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Favorite song to sing alone in the car? We're swaying now for some reason. I don't know. It's like we're on a boat. Beyonce? Halo. You know what I love about this is that you started with Whitney Houston singing to that. And these are like the real like operatic divas. And now we're at Beyonce Halo. Am I allowed? Am I allowed to love Beyonce? Yeah, of course you're allowed to love Beyonce. Okay, thank you. But I just love that like the epic quality of of the of like the, the kind of like the the classical foundation required to sing the work you know that you like to sing when you're alone in the car like I, I respect that thank you yeah I respect Beyonce yeah oh all respect to the queen <laughs> favorite Vancouver shot series past or present that you haven't appeared in yet Beachcombers. <sighs> Beachcombers. Yeah. I want to actually redo that series. Yeah. I it's, love that too because of your background yeah. visiting all the different well, islands. Well, it's just and West stuff. Coast vibe. I think it's just really BC culture. Um, fishermen, you know, it's about the water. It's about, I think, I think it would be a really interesting series to do nowadays. I would do it um, with Indigenous cast and, you know, have a very appropriate indigenous showrunner and I think that could be a really cool series nowadays. Absolutely. 
Okay, well, I'll watch that. All so right. just let me know what's happening. Okay, I got two more questions. Hmm, which one am I going to ask? Which is the most telling one? Okay. I was consulting my computer as if I was having I know, a conversation I like with them. I can't, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, no, that one. Okay. <laughs> Favorite place in Vancouver to take out of towners? Oh, I like this one. Because I'm born and raised in Vancouver, I usually try to take a boat ride. Obviously. And if a boat's not available, <laughs> we go to Granville Island and we get on the little water taxi. Yay! And we do a, a tour of yeah. all the stops. So, like, start in Granville Island, go over to Yale Town. Yep. I would do a little Yale Town tour, get back on, go up to Spanish Banks, or yeah, like I think that False Creek hub. And of so course, great. we would end at the sandbar for a cocktail. Sandbar, and they have live music, at least they used to. They used to have the best Friday nights. Yeah. They will again. They will. They will again. Or the backstage lounge. Remember backstage lounge? Grandpa I Island? used to sing there. Yeah. Like cabaret nights and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was fun. That was great. Is that, is that space still alive? Have they redone that at all, or is it closed? It's not the backstage lounge anymore. It's yeah. like something else. Um, I don't know if it's survived COVID. I oh. think it's part of Arts Club. Like, it is owned by the theater. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, well, I will I will be checking that out, and I'll, I'll, I'll update a guest in a future episode, and they'll be like, why are you telling me this? I'm like, you didn't listen to the Fiona episode, okay? <laughs> all right, and this last question. It's not one of my daughter's questions. Um, this whole segment was her idea, oh. the favorite thing segment. Uh, but th I think this is this. I think this. The answer to this question will be of, of interest to people who want to enter the industry, and it is thus: favorite piece of advice to give to emerging actors. I love that you're looking at the ceiling. I love when people do that, because I'm like, is something up there? God, are oh. you there? <laughs> Help me. Um, favorite piece of advice to give emerging artists? Trust and believe and work hard. Mm. It, a lot of people don't understand how much time it takes to put an audition together. Yeah. From getting the sides, working on the character, finding their voice, finding their spine, finding their wardrobe, finding their shoes. All of that takes time. It's hard work. Yeah. Much more goes into it than just memorizing the lines. So believe, believe, believe in yourself and put the time in. Yeah. That's a good answer. Thank you. You're welcome. Fiona Vroom, it's been a goddamn delight and a pleasure. <laughs> Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the social meds? Well, I am on the social. I, I spend most of my time on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, and it's Fiona Vroom. Please tell me that there's a lot of uh, Miss Pepper Higgins content. There is. Pepper yeah. is showing up. Um, Pepper is my new puppy, and she's showing up in my Instagram these days. Cool, Because cool. Um, I'm spending a lot of time with her as a good puppy parent would. That time is important. <laughs> it's formative. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm feeling good about it. Actually, I, I will say, though, when um, you started to say uh, your advice, I thought you were going to say, trust no one. Trust no one. Yeah. 
Believe in yourself. Yeah. Trust no one. <laughs> the truth is out there, Malter. Don't, so don't take a pill from a girl in an audition room. You don't know what it is. <laughs> that's actually good advice, okay? No taking pills from strangers. Yeah, that's, um, that's a given. Yeah, okay. And on that very, like, that's very pragmatic. It's very pragmatic advice that we're going to end with today. I thank you, Fiona Vroom. I thank the listeners. Thank you, listeners. Please thank you. like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and then we can keep the conversation going forever, because that is my goal. Sabrina, you do wonderful things here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to talk to someone face to face. It's been really lovely. It has been really lovely. I don't uh, want it to end. <laughs> I don't want it. Well, you're going to come back. I want to hear more about the yellow wallpaper. The yellow wallpaper. Yeah. And I'm also producing a feature film with my writing partner, Megan Hemingway. It's uh, about family. It's about women, mothers, and daughters. And it's called The Night My Mother Slapped Me, based on a true story. The Night My Mother Slapped Me, based a on a lesson true learned story. that I, I think every young woman needs to be slapped by their mother, you know, once. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, that's Am the kind I of thing I talk about. I don't know. Yeah, of course you can say that. That's kind of the thing I talk about with my therapist. So. <laughs> right. But my listeners are used to that, too. All right, well, th- <laughs> thank you for giving me the fodder uh, with which I will be talking to my therapist this week, Fiona. All right. <laughs> I talk to my therapist, too, and I also write movies about it. Thank yeah, you. and I host a podcast. And, I mean, that's we, we all deal with talk, our lives. Talk. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wrap this up, wrap this up. Okay, uh, like, subscribe, review. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger, definitely poor Dane, for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic film and television scene. And cut! In the current COVID-19 environment, UBCP ACTRA, the BC Performers Union in the film and TV industry, has been working closely with industry partners, formulating sensible and practical guidelines for all cast and crew to ensure working on set is manageable, and safe for everyone. UBCP ACTRA has created a dedicated COVID-19 webpage at www.ubcpactra.ca where members can find mental health resources, financial assistance information, and back-to-work strategies and updates about the current status of film production in the province of British Columbia. UBCP ACTRA knows this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many people. And we look forward to better days ahead. We will get through this together. Please visit www.ubcpactra.ca. A message from UBCP ACTRA.